Josh Giordani. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you're about. So I have been in the real estate industry since I was 18. I'm now 34. Um, initially got into being a real estate agent and then title insurance. And the last three years I've been flipping and investing in real estate, basically part time, um, which has been amazing. Nice. Yeah. So how did you get into real estate? So you said real estate at 18? Yep. So I got my real estate license when I was 18. So I, um, I was working at the time at T-Mobile, uh, fresh out of high school, didn't go to college. And uh, my dad is a real estate broker out in the desert, so Palm Desert. Um, and he had called me and I, was, I, was, I actually called him that day and found out my girlfriend at the time was cheating on me, my high school girlfriend. Nice. And um, he's basically like, you should just come out, move out with me, get your real estate license and get started doing something different. So that day, I packed up my shit, I moved out from San Diego, born and raised, moved to Palm Desert, got my real estate license and then haven't looked back since. I moved to San Diego, I moved back to San Diego though after I got my license. Got it, okay. So. Now, when you were working at T-Mobile, were you doing sales? Mm -hmm. Okay, Yeah. so sales is, I mean, when somebody's gonna do well in real estate, if they have a sales background, mm -hmm. especially some kind of very competitive sales like door-to-door -door or something, sure. their chance of killing it in real estate goes up tremendously. How much of your sales experience helped you when you transitioned from sales to real estate? Well, it's interesting. I think when in the beginning of sales, when I first got into real estate, I felt like I was trying to convince people to purchase something. But then as I've gotten older, I've realized that I'm just trying to find a solution to their problem. So in the beginning, I think I was more on the sales side of like, when I worked at T-Mobile, we were kiosk sales. So yeah. we were like hollering at people that were yep. walking in the mall and trying to get them to sign up for a phone plan when they probably didn't need it, right? Like they already had a phone provider. Yeah. So with real estate, I kind of looked at it almost the same thing when I was in my younger years yep. until ultimately I evolved and, and realized that it wasn't like sales is just the first conversation of solving a problem. So right. the phone calls and the prospecting and all those things were just to basically get to know get to know someone and get in the door. Right. Yeah. So, so at T-Mobile, so I worked a kiosk in the mall selling cell phone cases when yeah, I was young. And you. that's what got me really good at sales. Mm -hmm. And not just sales, like the overcoming objections and stuff like that, but but just getting uncomfortable or mm -hmm. getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Because mm -hmm. when you first start a job like that, especially if you're somebody who is raised with manners, you don't want to yell at people while they're trying to walk by, you know, mm -hmm. and and it takes some time to get over that. And then you learn to deal with rejection because most people are like, no, nah, I'm good. No, they don't want to talk to you. They're trying to avoid exactly. you. Yep. Right. Yep. So I think that that's super powerful. Do you feel like you got out of your comfort zone when you took that job at T-Mobile? Yes, the job at T-Mobile for sure. Um, I think I had a lot of insecurities going into real estate being an 18 year old kid. Yeah. Um, and so that was just another problem that I had to overcome. I think sales was one thing. I think that kind of after T-Mobile and you know, making a lot of phone calls while I was a realtor in the beginning stages yeah. came a little easier because I was already uncomfortable in the things that I was doing before. Right. It was then being comfortable in my 18 year old self, 19 year old self, trying to you know show property or going on a listing appointment and having these people trust me to buy or sell a house. Right. So that part was a lot harder. So for the longest time, I pretended to be someone different, always wore a suit and tie, yeah. wore like fake reading glasses to think that people would think that I was smarter. Yep. So now I'm like, I'm like this every day, like, you know, t-shirt and, and vans and jeans. So it became a little bit different as you progress in life, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of learning too. And especially when you're young, you want to be 
accepted. You mm -hmm. want to be uh, rich. You want to be seen as somebody who, wherever your insecurities lie, you know, isn't exactly yourself. So when I was sure. younger, I wanted, oh man, like I, especially when I was in my early twenties, I needed every, I mean, I, I craved that attention of people feeling like I was rich mm -hmm. and I spent so much time pretending to be rich, but not actually getting rich, yeah, you know? True. Yep. So yep. how long did it take you to get to your first deal from when you became a realtor to your first really fast? So back then, um, I got my first deal from, from Craigslist. Nice. So I was able to market back then. This was 2008, 2009. Yeah. Um, big time foreclosure industry. So my dad was getting uh, bank owned properties through banks. REOs? Yes. Okay. So I uh, had access to basically advertising all these deals before you can do, like now you can't do coming soon stuff, but I was able to right. do those like two weeks before they were going on the market. So I would pick up a ton of leads from doing that on Craigslist. And I sold one of his listings uh, back, like I think it was maybe three months of me having my license. Got it. Um, and that was in Palm Desert. It was like a hundred and sixty thousand dollar house. I mean, those those days price points were really low. Yeah, first experience, and then yeah. And that's like Palm Springs area, or yeah. mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, yeah. Hot out there. It's really hot out there. We yeah. actually just bought a place out there too. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Does it have a pool? It does. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you can't. We're, we're in the process of buying a house in Phoenix, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like you cannot buy a house somewhere that hot without having a pool. No, you have to have a pool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So Palm Desert. So you went from San Diego to Palm Desert and then mm -hmm. back to San Diego. Yep. So um, when you first got into real estate, what were your, because it seems like you were trying to be somebody you weren't. How long did it take you to realize that you needed to just be yourself? And, and did you feel like a lot of resistance disappeared when you did that? So I don't think I was still a realtor when I finally became someone that could have been in my own skin. I think because I was a realtor for eight years. I think I got out of real estate when I was still in my uh, early 30. No, I was in my 20s still. So I think I was 27 when I got out of real estate. So okay. 18 to 27. And then from 27 until now, I've been into title insurance. I think uh, when I got into title insurance, it was maybe after the second year of title insurance where I finally was like, I am who I am. Sure. And that's who I'm going to be. And hopefully people like it and not see me as someone different than I am. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about title insurance and stuff. But first, um, to anybody that's listening to this, you probably if you're uh, anybody that watches TV, you've probably seen real estate agents on on these shows that are wheeling and dealing these multi-million dollar properties. Now, for you, what do you think that the common misconception is about going into real estate? If somebody's watching this, they're thinking about going into real estate. What's the expectation versus reality of it? They think it's going to be easy. I think a lot of people think that it's like a get rich, like you can do one or two sales here and there and like make a living out of it. With San Diego price points, you know, 800,000, you can, you know, sell a few houses if you're a stay at home mom. But if you want to make a living out of it, it needs to be a business. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest misconception is that people think they can come in and, and it not, it looks at it not as a business yep. when it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people think they're going to get their real estate license, and then all of a sudden, Oh, I'm just going to have houses to sell. It's mm -hmm. like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. Now, I want to be clear. It doesn't mean that it's not. So it's you mentioned that it's not easy and I would agree, but I would say it's not not easy at the same time, because all you have to do is consistent, predictable work that if you're following somebody else's game plan, if you're following somebody else's routine mm -hmm. and their formula that works, it'll typically work for you. Right. Yeah, Even absolutely. if you're not that great of an agent. Make more phone calls, yep. have more introductions, 
once you get the proof of concept together and you can start making 10,000 a month, right? Or do one sale a month. It's easy to scale then to two sales a month. It, all it takes is the difference, small differences in systems and processes. And you can take it from all those coaches, right? But you, you need the confidence to have the proof of concept first. Yeah. And I think that's where sales. And for me, I had a background in mall retail sales, mm -hmm. but I also um, had a couple other sales gigs before that. And you really learn like, hey, uh, if I do X, I get this out. Mm -hmm. So if I just increase X, mm -hmm. meaning phone calls yep. or conversations or leads, whatever, um, right. you're going to get more out of it. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you realize, I mean, did your father kind of give you the formula? Did he let you know like, hey, this is what works for me or? Not really. I think we all have different mentors in our life that we go through phases. I think he was one that got me from like younger 18 year old self being an idiot to getting myself into a career. And then from the career aspect, it was like I, I had other mentors after that that were different. He's very old school in the way he works, like first one in the office, last one to leave. Mm -hmm. And I, being how old I was, did not look at things. I was always like, let's work smarter, Smart. not harder. Yeah. Right. And um, so I've taken things up from every mentor that I've had in different phases of my life, but we didn't see eye to eye when it came to how to run a business. I was looking at things a lot differently. I wanted to spend money on advertising. I wanted to market. I wanted to really wanted to grow and where he was all based on referrals. He's been in the business for, for so long. So where he was, he didn't need to change a lot in order right. to grow, where right. I was looking to scale something massive. Yep. Um, and so when I left Palm Desert to go to San Diego, I had two other mentors after that who were like real big producers that built businesses, that had big marketing budgets, where those are the people who, and, and, and made calls, right? They made sales calls and consistently like did open houses and all the things that you're supposed to be doing to, to grow a business as a realtor. Got it. Now, what do you think makes somebody successful in real estate? Action. So I think regardless of the business, you need to take consistent action in everything that you do. If you want to grow something, you can't not work, right? When I say work smarter, not harder, you still need to make consistent phone calls. You still need to have conversations. You still need to spend money on marketing. You need to do social content. You need to do a mixture of everything, but it needs to be a system to where you're doing it the proper way and, and know how many things you need to do. If, it, if you could do it all in four hours, then do it in four hours. Right. But if you can't, then you're going to work a little harder and not smarter. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So real estate investing, let's talk about that. You yeah. own some properties mm -hmm. and you have a pretty good portfolio. Yep. Um, how did you get into real estate investing? You went from being a realtor to working in, in uh, title mm -hmm. and then back to real estate or, or no. So the investing stuff is just, I'm investing in real estate. So yep. I still work in title insurance. I never went back to being a realtor. So Got title it. insurance has been the last seven years. I've just started investing my own money into real estate. So it happened, uh, actually only three years ago. So, um, actually I'll even give you a backstory. I'll give you, this is, this is, um, a little even deeper. Sure. So when I got into title insurance, I, uh, you know, was struggling a little bit with real estate didn't really loved the traditional side because I was always helping investors. And then yeah. when it transitioned into traditional, like mom and pop, people wanting to sell and buy a house, it wasn't for me. Right. So I had experience with how to find deals for investors. But I, um, like when I got entitled insurance, I bought my first house four years ago. I could barely qualify with my credit score. Didn't have like a ton of money saved up. 
didn't was like in debt before before that like credit yeah. card debt and everything so i had a fear of using credit like after all that stuff was paid off yeah so when i got the opportunity three years ago from a mentor who's mentoring me now in terms of real estate investments and he's we're business partners i would say and he gave me an opportunity i found a deal through one of my title partners um a realtor reached out and was like hey i need an investor for this property so i brought it to a buddy of mine and He's like, I like it. Josh, do you want to go in on this with me? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what does that look like? How does that work? And he basically told me how much I would have to come in. And I was like, I'm scared, right? Like, what was my first investment? Like, spending that kind of money, that would have been all my savings. And, like, didn't really know what I was doing yep. in terms of investing in my own, like, flip. I've already yep. bought my own house. But still, yeah. having that and giving up my savings would have been scary. So he's like, well, how about I do this? How about I give you equity interest in this deal? So I was like, cool. What does that look like? told me so I got I forget if it was 20% or whatever it is based on the net profit so we did that first deal I netted like $35,000 the first one yep all of a sudden like how that, long how long did that take from 90 days yeah yeah 90 right. days so 10 so, grand a month basically yeah so that was the stepping stone to now I'm over like 30 plus um last year was the full I think my fir full first year like full year like doing it 100%. Yep. And I did 13 deals last year, but now I had the ability from doing those first equity interest deals which were 3 or 4 to stack up $200,000 yeah. to where now I invest in all my deals. Now wow. I don't need investors, right. now I don't need equity interest like yeah. that he allowed me to grow my savings account and make me feel comfortable into investing in real estate. Now right. I own my own houses. Yeah. I do myself. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you took a leap of faith. I did. I think he gave me the opportunity to do that, though. Like right. not everyone like you meet people and, and you see people who are successful. Like, let's say I put myself in my 19 year old self and I look at someone, I look up to them and like they're doing they're crushing it. Right. Like they look at you and they see your your lead business and they're like, man, he's doing all this revenue a month. He drives this amazing car. He has this nice watch. He travels all over the place. He's buying these houses and they look up to you for that. But um, it's really not that much harder to get to that place. But what if you gave that 19 year old an opportunity to show them the inside of your company? Yeah. That's right. how I look at that opportunity. Cause I'm like, man, he showed me how to do this. Like I could do this now by myself. If I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is like, uh, you probably will not make it anywhere great without a mentor, I think, or without somebody showing you. It's mm -hmm. like, imagine trying to learn how to fly a plane by yourself. No, it doesn't Pro work. Probably wouldn't work very well, no. right? Mm -mm. I mean, so if you need a mentor, first, YouTube, right? You can find mentors for free on YouTube. Guys like Alex Hermosi are spitting out absolute gems for free on the internet. But how did it take, how long did it take you to find a mentor? And, and what advice do you have somebody who needs a mentor? Somebody who's like, fuck, I don't know where to start. I think that my, all of mine have just happened yeah. through, um, action or through meeting people. So like I would consider my dad as one, like that time that just so happened to have like, get me started into real estate. Right. And then my second one, when I joined a team in real estate, that was my second one where he had showed me a little bit more of like, Hey, this is what you like. This is what grinding means when it comes to being a real estate agent. Like this is what you have to do. These are like the phone calls and the marketing and all this shit. Right. And then with title insurance, the person who recruited me into title, who believed in me, he actually hired me, fired me three months later, and then rehired me, and then I became like number one in that company at that time. Yeah. So it was all of those people, but it wasn't something that I, I like seeked out to get. Yeah. 
I think those are the wrong, the wrong way to do it. I think you need to take action first and you'll meet those right people as you go. Were you seeking to learn though? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so there's a quote that I love, which sounds a little corny, but it's, um, let me make sure I don't butcher it, but the quote goes something along the lines of when the student is ready, the teacher appears, mm -hmm. right? And I remember hearing that when I was younger and being like, that's fucking dumb. What a mm -hmm. dumb quote. But then when I looked at all of my mentors that I got, there were mentors that were ready to mentor me all the time, mm -hmm. that were ready to help me go to the next level, but I just didn't understand it because I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. One of my biggest mentors, uh, two of them, three of them really, but at Beacon Payments, this company that I worked for, Dave and Jerry are the two owners, and then Ryan Howard was my director of sales. Still all very good friends of mine, still mentors of mine. If I had not met them, my life would be so, I mean, everything that I've built my company on is based off stuff that I've learned. Mm -hmm. But I applied at that job. I got out of my comfort zone and I was ready to hit that next level. I just eventually was gonna find somebody, right? right? But so I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't know where to get a mentor. Well, you're probably not acting. You're not, you, you said action is mm -hmm. your word, right? If you're not putting in daily action goals or daily action habits, then you're not gonna get to that point. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think it's hard when you're 18 not knowing what you want to do, right? Because yeah. like with, I'm sure with both of us, like we didn't know what we wanted to do at that period, right? And with you starting your company and with me evolving into different aspects of real estate. Yep. But I had to get into something, right? Like whatever job it was, you just needed to see growth or opportunity in that. And then maybe you can figure out your path from there and someone could create opportunity through that and a mentor through that. Right. Like you working at a dead end job is, you're probably not going to find your mentor at your dead end job. Right. So. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Well, and also I think a lot of, when I look at social media, I see a lot of young 20 year old kids flexing and, and stunting, right. Acting like there's something they're not. And I get it. We, we I think most men do that in their early twenties, mm -hmm. right? They think they have to be this person. They're afraid to not be, they're afraid to be vulnerable mm -hmm. to all this stuff. It wasn't until I really hit closer to my 30s where I really just detached from that. Like you said, you were wearing the suit, you were doing all of that, and then you kind of detached and you mm -hmm. really just accepted you for who you are and you're like, hey, take it or leave it, this is who I am. Sure. And there's power in that, but I think that a lot of, and again, Dave Selenow, my old boss, told me when I was young, I was probably 20 years old, and he said, listen, your 20s are for learning and your 30s are for earning. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make all this money when my 20s, and I did make good money, but I didn't really, I did more learning than anything. Mm -hmm. So I think that once you hit that age of 30, things really, I think you start to mature, but things really change. Did you notice that creeping towards 30? For sure. I think once once I hit 30, it was a little different. You know, I traveled differently. It's like you, you, ha you knew what real money was. Yeah. I wasn't in debt at that time. Um, a, a lot of it was different and sure, like the mentality portion of it, I think were, was a lot different, but you, you evolve. I think there's bigger pain points. Like I went through, like I, I still have insecurities as like being a business owner. Yeah. Or like now that you go through, like you talk about these kids flexing, like a lot of that comes from stems from insecurities. hundred percent. And you know, for me personally, like I had insecurity being called fat. So now I go to the gym all the time and I eat good. Right. And so I had insecurity of being in debt and you know, going paycheck to paycheck. Now I will never let myself get to that point. So that fuels my job and my career. Right. So I think you just realize like those insecurities don't matter. Like the flexing stuff, you have different insecurities as you get older in business and those drive you to make sure you're, <laughs> you keep your head on straight. Yeah. So 
That's pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I think insecurities can be a good thing too because it pushes you to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, I, I was always very very insecure about my body when I was mm-hmm. younger, and um, I think that kept me from getting crazy out of shape. I think that you know, I think sometimes it's a really good thing. But um, yeah, it's funny how what drives people and when you start to get older, you can look at younger kids in their twenties and and I I really see where you are. You mm-hmm. know, like. Uh, why they make the decisions they make. You totally. Know? I actually randomly got this, this, this kid hit me up recently on Instagram and DM me. And he knew someone that I knew that recently was on my podcast. And he is like fresh into college, going to SDSU. And he's trying to get into multifamily investing. So he's prospecting for multifamily investors, learning how like the multifamily game works and how, how to prospect and how to go after leads. But I sat down with this kid for like 10 or 15 minutes and I'm like, dude, like this is what you should be doing, right? Like this is like someone like this that's 20 years old that's taking action that wants to get into a field. Like if you like for the people listening out there that they they want to get into, let's say real estate or be a realtor, reach out to people, like connect with someone, offer free services, you know, or offer to do things or help them or meant like someone would be willing to take the time as long as you're willing to put in the effort. Right. So, yeah, right. and I didn't need to take out take take the time out of my busy day to like meet with someone for 30 minutes for yeah. coffee. Right. He just wanted to like pick my brain. Yeah. But I left that and I'm like, even my friends that asked me how to do real estate investing. And after we're on like a phone call for an hour and I tell them everything they need to do, yeah. They don't do anything about no it. No action. Yeah. You said action. Yeah. And I'm like, this 20-year-old kid left and he's texting me afterwards like, "Hey, what's this this and this? Like, how do I do this?" And I'm like, this is what you should be doing. This is how this is how you progress. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are curious, but I think a lot of people are hesitant to put in the work and commit to something like whatever you're going to do, you have to commit to it and you have to understand it's not going to be an overnight thing. And anything that's going to be good and valuable is not going to be easy and it's not going to be fast, but damn sure will be valuable if you put the work in. Absolutely. So like real estate investing, right? Uh, There's so many billionaires made in real estate investing. I think actually real estate is, is the number one way to become Mm -hmm. a billionaire real estate and finance. Is that right? Real estate, yeah. I think it's business ownership too at some point, yeah. 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 Well, at least to be a millionaire sure. real estate for sure. For probably sure. the easiest way. Yeah. But it doesn't happen fast, mm-hmm. right? Like these are things that take, and you can do flips quick. You said you made, you know, 30,000, 35,000 or something in 90 days. But um, real, especially if you're getting cash flow from properties, that stuff takes a long time and sure. it's not easy. But so many people start these little quick side hustles where they think, oh, I can just build this up and then this, and I can be an Amazon seller. FBA, yeah. yeah if, which do I did some, that too. Do I, some day trading. I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and not saying you can't do that stuff, but you really have to commit to something and get really good. So when I committed to doing this podcast, I decided I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I, I hired a full-time guy, content mm-hmm. guy, Carlos. We got good equipment and we're constantly reinvesting back into it. And guess what? I'm doing it forever no matter what. I'm not stopping. I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep going because I know that eventually this thing is going to take off. Sure. Right now we have a couple hundred, maybe a thousand consistent listeners, mm-hmm. but it will keep going. Sure. Now, if I gave up now and tried to work on something else, well, I just, the whole house of cards falls and now I go and start build something else. Like, doesn't make sense. And I, th- I think the 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 value and what these do, not only for the listeners, but also for you and for other people who come on this podcast is like a great connection. Right. And you have different conversations and different perspectives from people who, you know, most, I'm sure most of the people on here make a ton of money. Yeah. Right. Like over seven figures. So to gain perspective for the listeners and to meet and connect with people 
that are like-minded like you that grow businesses, right. maybe in different facets, yep. it's a special thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to circle back because you yeah. had mentioned that when people reach out and they, you know, you had somebody reach out, ask for help, and then mm -hmm. you spend all this time and then they go. So many people will reach out to me uh, on Messenger or somewhere and they'll say, hey, do you mind if I pick your brain on, on building a company? Mm -hmm. Sure, we can talk for a minute. And then we talk for a few minutes and then this is going to be really time intensive. So I say, hey, every Friday I do something called office hours where you can hop on a Zoom call with me. It's completely free hop on the zoom call it's on fridays every friday mm -hmm. get on ask me any questions i'll answer anything in a group setting mm -hmm. they don't show up mm -hmm. so you can't if you're going to reach out to somebody you can't you know beggars can't be choosers so if somebody's willing to give you their time take it but also show them that you've put in action right so like you said when the kid reached out to you he then did an action mm -hmm. and then came back to you and had more questions right. that's somebody that's worth mentoring do you yeah. agree yeah yeah, and I think for that one, it was a little different because I knew who he was mentoring under too. Yep. Um, and we had already connected. So he used someone's name and I'm like, you know, I'm willing to meet with him over that. Like if anyone was to reach out, I feel like I would, wouldn't maybe do it. I would jump on a call, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. yes, absolutely. I think there's so much free shit out there to learn, like whatever, whatever they want to do or whatever someone wants to do, like whether it's real estate or what you do in terms of you know, ads or lead generation, whatever it is, there's so much opportunity. And so even coaching, like I, um, I'm flying out to Ohio, uh, next weekend or this coming weekend. And I paid for a coaching program. It was a four week virtual coaching about wholesaling and flipping houses every week on Tuesday, one hour, one-on-one, -on -one, not one-on-one. -on -one, it was like, it was a group coaching program. So that has what's gotten me to already seven figures in six months. Yep. That $500 coaching program got me to six figures, seven figures, excuse me, this month. So last month was, I had a $537,000 month. How much was the program? $500. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So one thing, I, I heard somebody say this recently about, about coaching. They were saying they wanted to be a millionaire, mm -hmm. right? They want to make a million bucks a year. And there was a coaching program that was $10,000, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not. And especially for a good coaching program, solid investment. Mm -hmm. I, Carlos knows I spent 10 grand to hang out with, with people for a day to right. learn from them. Like, and it's worth it. There's yeah. an ROI from it. But if somebody says, I want to be a millionaire, but they refuse to go pay $10,000 for coaching or 5,000, right? Let's just say 10,000 for, for an easy number. They're really missing out on $990,000 a year because they refuse to invest that 10,000. If they really want to make a million dollars a year, right. but they're not going to invest that 10,000 that'll get them there, they're leaving almost a million dollars on the table by not investing right. in that. You yeah. know, imagine if you didn't take that. I wouldn't be with all the systems and processes because I, I took that virtual group and I implemented every, almost every single, not everything, but like at least the majority of stuff that they told you to do because they go through their entire business and they do $10 million a year in flips. They're out in Ohio. So their deals are like, you know, they're, they're doing like 25 deals, 20, 30 deals a month. So big difference. But I implemented all the systems that were within my budget that I could afford, which was like three lead generation systems, their CRM and a bunch of stuff. And within, um, like I said, within the first, what, six months, eight months from coaching, six months of this year, seven figures yeah so if someone was to tell me spend five hundred dollars and i'll give you a million dollars yeah that's the way i look at things now yeah. right like spend ten thousand dollars to get two million or to get a million 
you know, it's, I think it's a massive return on your investment, but I was always scared to do that. Right. I, don't get me wrong. Like I was scared to pay $10,000 to get into a room somewhere. Yeah. But I'd be willing to do it now. Well, th- there's the saying that rich people get richer and the poor get poorer. Mm-hmm. And it, and when you focus on scarcity, you get scarcity, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to hold on, even, you know, you make a, a big thing is when people first start making money, especially if they didn't come from money, like they want to hold on to it. They want to keep it safe. They want to protect it. But the problem is, if you're planting trees and you want more trees to grow, but you hold on to the seeds, you're not going to get anything more from it. No. So you reinvesting in yourself is the best. And also I know what people are thinking. Well, if I'm going to hire a coach, what if the coach is full of shit? Most of them are. There's a lot of coaches that are full of shit, right? Yeah. But if you try 10 coaches out there and only one works and that one works with a massive payout, it works. Yeah. You're, you're investing in those nine other coaches that didn't work to figure it out. You know, and I think you have to, you can because especially like within real estate or investing or what even real estate agents like if that's what you're looking to do, there you can find good coaches. You know, like on YouTube, like you can just look up and see if you if you um, if you resonate with those people who you're listening to on YouTube or on their podcast because everyone should have like if they have a podcast or a YouTube channel and they're a coach, if you resonate with them, try it out. Right. Yeah. And most of the times it's not going to be a crazy investment. Like if you're concerned over a thousand dollars and someone will write you a check for 10,000 after you're done, if you put in the action, you should do it. Yeah. Right. So, but again, it's on you. It so, is. so many yeah. people, whether they're buying leads or they're going to a coaching program or whatever, will buy it, mm-hmm. not put the work in that's responsible for them. And then they'll blame the product as it wasn't worth it. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I always say this, imagine if you signed up for a gym and you didn't go to the gym and then blame the gym cause you were fat. People do that. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm spending $20,000 a month in my marketing budget, right? But I'm not calling back any of the leads or I'm not doing anything with them. Yeah. Whose fault is it? Yeah. It's not the lead source. It's my fault. A hundred percent. And, and most people don't understand that. And, um, the blame game is real. People always want to blame somebody else and they don't want to take accountability. And that's one thing that hinders growth. Mm -hmm. If you can't point your finger at yourself and say, I fucked up here. I didn't do my part here. I could have done this you know, then that, that not only is freeing, but it also lets you be a little more honest with yourself, which helps you hit your goals. Cause if you're not honest with yourself and you're not pointing the finger back at yourself when you need to be right, you're holding yourself back. Yeah. And I wish a lot of the stuff, like when I was younger as a realtor, like when I was always scared to pay for coaching mm-hmm. and now I look back of like what, like the last 12 months, two years have done, like when, while I've paid for coaching for real estate investing yeah, has changed my life completely. I wish that I did it a lot sooner. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. My barber, Sam, shout out to Sam. I'm actually going to go see him in an hour or two. Uh, but my barber, Sam, uh, I, I want to give him props because he started a Turo business, right? He bought a van mm-hmm. and now he's working on another vehicle and he's renting them out on an app called Turo, which if you don't know, Turo is like Airbnb for cars. You can list your car for rent and other people will use them. Great insurance behind it, whatever. Well, Sam invested, uh, it's about the same 500 a month or actually, no, I think it was like five grand. I think it was closer to 5,000 bucks, but he spent a lot to get this coach. And every time I go get my haircut, his business is doing better. He's still cutting hair, making good money doing that. But he, because he has this mentor, has this cash flowing asset building right before him that mm-hmm. isn't taking a lot of time. And he, he got the cheat code, which was getting a mentor. Right. He paid this dude, which sometimes you got to pay to play, Mm -hmm. right? If you can't find a mentor, you sometimes have to pay to get one, Mm -hmm. which is a coach. But that coach will hold you accountable. That coach will show you everything you need 
to be successful. And I'm telling you, it's like, imagine trying to fly a plane without a pilot lesson, without somebody teaching you, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. It will change your life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody wants to get into real estate um, and they don't know where to start, where would you like if they're looking for a brokerage to go work with, how would they get started and what should they look for? Not the best person for maybe to give advice on like brokerages and stuff like just because I'm so far checked out of like being a realtor. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I can probably like refer some people here in San Diego or something like that, but I, I'm so far checked out of like being a realtor. Let me rephrase. Yeah. So if somebody wants to get into real estate, mm -hmm. where should they start? And that could be investing. That could be anywhere. I just know that typically if somebody wants to invest in real estate and they don't have money or connections to investors, they have to either go wholesale or they have to be an agent to build up cash to then go invest. Sure. That's what I think. But yeah, what I do agree. you think? I agree. Um, I had to find someone and bring them deals in order to get equity interest. Got it. So if you wanted to find an investor and do the same thing and look for deals and try to help find deals, that's always added value to someone like me. Yep. So would they employ you? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I yeah. think a lot of people like wouldn't take you seriously until you actually started bringing them deals and bringing them value. Yep. And then once you started bringing them deals, they're going to take you take you more seriously. Yeah. So with me, I brought ready to go opportunities to the guy who now is my business partner. Yep. And that was the reason he saw value in me is because they were ready to go. Whereas like if someone was to just send you an address and text it to you or whatever, not, not bring real value, yep. there would be a difference. But same thing with a realtor. Like if you wanted to get into real estate, there's so many realtors out there. Meet, call your brother's uncle's sister's mother. That's probably licensed, right? Yeah. Pick their brain a little bit. If they, if they don't, if you don't vibe with them, then I'm sure you can find someone else you know, sitting at a bar somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, or at an open house or something, exactly. but, but trust your intuition too. Yes. yes. Let's talk about intuition. Do yeah. you use your intuition a lot in business? Always. Yeah. If I have something with my gut and something goes wrong, I will remember and actually I have a deal right now. So it got a little uncomfortable when we, before we got into escrow. So we had to go non-contingent, which means no inspections. Yep. Um, so our, our $20,000 deposit was hard. Um, we didn't even see disclosures, like nothing. So we're going into this thing somewhat blind other than the fact that our contractor walked it. Yeah. And I was uncomfortable with it, not because of the house, but because of the way the verbiage was from the attorney, because it was a probate sale. Mm. Which means, can you explain what yeah, that means? Yeah, so when someone passes away and someone has to take over the, the trust and to divide the property interest for the trustees. Yeah. So, uh, so I, after we got into escrow, put our deposit in, we started finding out more shit was wrong with this house. And we had to go through, there was an HOA litigation. We had to get all these like architectural plans for the roof and stuff that we weren't budgeting. And this deal was tight. Yep. So I had a bad gut feeling when I initially got the, the when we submitted the offer, well, when we got the contract from the attorney, because they basically were like, you can't go after us for anything if you find anything out once we're in contract. Right. So. Now we've just constantly been finding new shit out. Hopefully everything works out still, but it was like something like that where I knew in my gut yep. that it could be a tricky deal. So, and then I've had other ones where I know that like going into it, I'll see the house and I'm like, this is like, I'm willing to take the risk on this. Right. Yeah. Like my gut feeling was like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if there's a slab leak. I don't care. Let's do this. Cause it's a great location or whatever it was. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think that people ignore their gut a lot because mm. they think, you know, whatever. And sometimes it can be, a, you know, a, a false, a false hit or something where you're, you're really just scared and nervous to take that next step. But sure. 
if you trust your intuition, you know, I think what people don't realize is as we're sitting here talking, my subconscious mind is taking in everything about you, right? Your body language, the way you're standing, the way your tone is, things that my conscious mind isn't really reading. Mm -hmm. So if I get a subconscious vibe, which my my subconscious says that you're good, right? There's something <laughs> good. There's a good vibe about you. But I can't tell you why, but right. I know I feel good about you. Sure. But also there's sometimes where you're walking downtown and you're about to make a left and your gut is just like, don't do don't it. Do don't it. do it. Yeah. And it's usually right. Mm -hmm. There's something over there. And I can't tell you how it, how, what it is, but your brain somewhere is picking up on a pattern mm -hmm. and it's taking in all this information. People, I don't think realize how powerful the subconscious mind is. I've had a few um, of these interviews where I've like talked to people and I didn't feel the best after leaving. Yeah. You know, where I like connected with them before and the conversation was fine before we got, you know, before we got on. And then afterwards, it just like almost felt like, um, you know, I'm looking to authentically connect with people. Yeah. Like, for me, like personally, like I, I don't want to come on if it's just like, you know, a high five and handshake and like walk away and like, let's just go reuse these for shorts and like for content, which is the purpose of it. But like real connections to me is more valuable than like all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah. So. Recently, I've had a few where I was just like, after the podcast, they were totally different people right. than when I'm talking to them. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, it just, it felt like a business deal. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, like it's business and I get it. Yeah. But like, you, we're here to like make connections, like real connections. Right. Deeper than that. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting, but definitely like intuition feeling of like, maybe I won't do that again. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, especially in the podcasting space are trying to put on the, they're trying to be again, something they're not right. Mm -hmm. They want to, they want to put on a show and it's kind of hard for people to be themselves in an environment. Cause all of a sudden they realize that, Oh, there's a camera on me and now I have to sit a certain way. And now, and I find myself doing it sometimes too. The best episodes come when I'm relaxed, when mm -hmm. I'm chill, when I'm being myself, when yeah. we're able to have a flowing conversation. Mm -hmm. And when you look at like, guys like Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. the reason why his podcast is so successful is because he's just himself. He doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't he's, give a fuck. He's sitting there like he's having beers with you is what like, that's what I would hope like with anyone that I would ever like go on with or interview with or whatever. Yeah. Like I want it to feel like we're sitting at a bar and we're just having a simple conversation. Yeah. Right. And I think that comes off like true authenticity. Yeah. When it's like, you know, shoved up and like, you, you, you know, people are like, you know, have to be perfect and you get yeah. off and they're, they're totally different. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. That wasn't you. <laughs> I know. And that's, I think that's what people hate about, uh, about like the big, you know, the, the, uh, major news networks and the, sure. the mainstream media. My, my favorite clip is the fuck it. We'll do it live where the guy's freaking out and getting mad. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, but when you see news anchors, they go from this, hello tonight at seven and then they get off and they're a totally different person, mm -hmm. you know, like nobody, nobody wants that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people used to, but yeah, it's like, nobody wants to go to work in a suit nobody really cares if somebody shows up in a suit mm -mm. Yeah. you know maybe maybe in a certain type of deal but you know yeah i mean i think there's a time and a place but yeah i think just being like people can tell when you're real whether you're in a suit and tie or not yeah yeah i think like clothes i just want to feel comfortable yeah most of the time um but i think people can can see through authenticity regardless of what you're wearing like right. with the anchors and all that i mean they have they're so scripted it's different yeah but yeah yeah. I mean, well, also in San Diego, it's pretty chill. Like you can do business in flip flops and people don't care. Yes, you know, exactly. that's I, I love that about out here because working in Boston in the financial district, I had to have a suit. I had mm -hmm. to look, you know, 
super professional every day. And there's something nice about wearing a suit. You feel there good, is. you look good. Yeah. But after a while, especially like in the summer in Boston when it's humid mm -hmm. and hot and you're, oh, yeah. no thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, both times when I got into real estate and when I was into title insurance, I mean, I was like suit and tie every single day. Yeah. But that was just my own insecurities of having to feel like I had to be ultra professional. Yep. But yep. yeah. Again, I mean, you're kind of you're kind of doing what you see on TV and what you see people do. You think this is how you do it, and mm -hmm. then you realize it's not. Mm -hmm. It's about human connection, and mm -hmm. that's where the best real estate deals happen. And people might do a deal with you once if they trust you in the beginning, but if they feel like you're not being yourself, they're not going to continue to do business with you. No, yeah. And if they feel like you're, you know, for anyone, like being shady or not doing the right thing or like whatever it is, but I think all of my connections, whatever business that I was in, has all been through like deeper relationships. Right. Like I don't like the one-off business deals. Like to me, sure, is it's a paycheck, but it yep. doesn't feel like there's no fulfillment in that. Yeah. Like what are you getting it for? What fulfills you the most in business? Is it the relationships? Yeah, I think so. So I, that that's one thing that I, so I get fulfilled from being able to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. So I like to have the freedom to know that I can go off for a month or two months and go travel or, or buy whatever I want to buy or like do whatever I want to do. Yep. That to me is what had changed over the last few years of just like knowing that I have the ability to do that. Right. Um, I don't have something that like in the business aspect, I, I do still like the deal. Right. Yeah. But like making the connections with the people, because it always is typically sensitive situations when it comes to the real estate investing side. Um, that is important. But a lot of times it is just a deal when it's like, you know, vacant and there's no one involved and I'm just dealing with realtors. Right. So, um, you know, ultimately, it's just being, you know, becoming financially free through mm -hmm. real estate. I think yeah. that is where my fulfillment comes in from a business standpoint. And then the personal side is definitely just being able to travel and like do whatever we want to do when we want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There, and there's a freedom too, especially like for me, when, when I was in my early twenties, even when I was making money, I was blowing so much money and I was so bad with money. I was always behind the, mm -hmm. I mean, I was always behind always. Yeah. You could have given me a million dollars and I'd still be behind on rent and everything. Sure. I think that when you realize how to get out of survival mode, mm -hmm. like if you grow up poor, right? Like, like I did not grow up with money and I had no financial skills going into my adulthood. Same. So when, when I'm growing up with limited money and limited knowledge on it, I'm always in survival mode. I'm mm -hmm. blowing money. I'm not spending it correctly. I'm always late on bills. And when you figure out how to get past that, when you figure out how to get your bills paid and then you have a lot left over or even anything left over, and you're no longer in survival mode, your decision-making changes. Something, mm -hmm. you know, you get to relax. It's like you get to take a nice deep breath. I remember the first six months of me kind of being out of that survival stage, probably the best time of my life. Cause all of a sudden, all of this adrenaline and cortisol and all these mm -hmm. stress hormones that constantly keep your body at, yep. ugh, you know, you're always stressed. When that goes away, now you start to see the world for what it really is. Mm -hmm. You get out of call it the matrix, call it whatever you want, but you start to see things for what they are. And now you realize, oh, I've been making all these terrible decisions because I was stressed and I was keeping myself down, you know? And you always take, you, you take the power back. You put the power in your own place. Yeah. I've found because of that, that I've allowed myself to not have to say yes to every client. 
Yeah. Or if I lose a client, I don't care. Yeah. If I lose a deal, I don't care. I probably say no to more houses than I do yes. Yeah. Because I want to be selective and I don't want to do what I don't want to do. Right. Right. And I think once you come to a place where you can do that, is that that's the freeing moment. Because before that, when you're trying to grind and you're trying to like make it, you know, paycheck to paycheck and pay your bills and do all that. Yeah. You say yes to everything. You right. say yes to every client that's an asshole. You say yes to anything you can do to make a buck and do a deal. Yep. But at the end of the day, it takes away from, it took away from me. Like I felt like a shittier person after saying yes so many times to people who I hated. Right. And now I'm like, don't care. I love the people who I'm around because yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what'll happen when your bills are paid. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you have peace of mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, where can people follow you? So Instagram is Josh underscore Giordani, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-I. It's hard to spell. Cool. And then uh, Modern Mindset is the podcast, uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Sweet. So tell people a little bit about the podcast. It's it's kind of similar in terms mm -hmm. of the focus. So everybody go listen to his podcast and follow him. All of his links to his podcast and social media are going to be in the show notes in the description. Go follow him. Send him a message. Tell him you saw him on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, so it's it's similar to this. We just get I, I want to talk with other entrepreneurs in the space, whether they're you know I just did uh, Dan Fulkerson with Bad yep. Fulkerson. Shout uh, out to Dan. Uh, yeah, great dude. Um, he's a you know big time attorney that that's here in San Diego, and I've introduced uh, or interviewed tons of different investors and different people in different spaces. Really, just how how people think and you know digging down deep and 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 why we think the way we do from an entrepreneurial mindset and building businesses and things like that. But it is, I don't want to say it's a promotion of people's business because really it's like, we're, we're getting down and dirty into like how our minds think, just like what we did today. Right. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Well, everybody go follow him, listen to his podcast on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm sure it's there. And, uh, as always think bigger peace. <laughs>